Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you, coming to you live from the Raiders Global Headquarters. Right here in beautiful Henderson, Nevada. What a show we got lined up. Gus Bradley going to join us in a moment, the defensive coordinator of the Raiders. Hit me up at JT the Brick right now on Twitter. I'll try to get a question or two in or maybe three from you. Right now at JT the Brick on Twitter. Gus Bradley going to join us here coming up momentarily. Brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Oh, PTs, a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights will be jumping tonight as VGK has an opportunity to clinch and get to the final four, which is massive. What a moment. I think it's one of the biggest moments. This team's already gone to the cup final, but this team is better than the team that went there and lost to Ovechkin. So a lot is on the line tonight. Remember my philosophy. When you're home for game six and the road game seven, game six is game seven. This is game seven. You do not want to get on a plane and go back to Colorado. No chance. So they got to win this game. And then Vinny Bonsignor will join me in studio for the rest of the hour. The defensive coordinator of the Silver and Black, Gus Bradley, kind enough to join us as I'm live at Raiders headquarters. Coach, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Appreciate you coming on. Oh, no problem. I'm glad to glad to be on board right here and get a chance to visit with you. And uh, we just got done with our last OTA. So excited for the mini camp. Let's talk about attendance, Coach, and the guys who came back. How excited were you to see everyone get in front of them, talk to them, instead of the world, the Zoom that we've all been in? Uh, it's amazing. You know, just to get a chance, you know, we talk about learn the learner, you know, and you've got to see them in all different aspects, not only in the classroom, but on the field as well. So to get that one-on-one, uh, you know, chance to kind of communicate with them and get to know them even more, uh, I can't tell you, putting in words just how important that was for all of us as a new staff. So you brought in a lot of rookies on the defensive side of the ball at multiple positions. Let's go through a few with you and what stands out after evaluating these players with Coach Gruden and Mike Mayock and then selecting them in the draft. Okay, sounds good. So let's talk with Morrig on the back end. you got a super safety who can step in and make plays, a free safety who has a lot of ball-hawking principles. Right. Well, I think what we see right now is, you know, a lot of the practice has been an individual where we've gone full speed. The walkthroughs have been just that, walkthroughs. But just his uh, picking up the concepts, his attention to detail has been very impressive. Uh, we look forward to see his athleticism in this mini camp that we're about to have. But, uh, you know, the arrow's going up just as far as his learning the, the defense and, and picking up some of the new concepts we're teaching. What do you like about his athletic ability to read a play? And again, I know this is mostly coached from tape and what you saw and sure. why you decided to draft him, but his instincts. The Raiders are looking for players on the back end that have the instincts to go get the football and turn it over. 
Well, I think that's a big thing. You know, he's got really good range. Uh, appears like we saw an individual and on tape. You know, that ability to cover from sideline to sideline, good instincts, not only the speed to do it, but to just understanding the defense and how it falls into play for him and when he can take chances. Uh, he's also got to be a guy that takes really good angles for us in the tackling part of it. You know, if a guy breaks through the line when you are a single safety middle team, he's got to be that eraser-type tackle. And I've been very impressed with the angles and uh, how, how fast he's picked up on that. Let's move over to Malcolm Kuntz and what he can do off the edge. What did you notice when you saw him when it comes to size, strength, the ability to bend and get around that curve and have a couple of different moves coming out of college? Sure. Well, I think that's where he was ahead of the curve. Just He wasn't uh, a guy that was just a one-type move guy. He had multiple tools to his pass rush. And I think what, you know, that, that we can see that already. He's got, he does a really good job with his rush and having a rush plan. I think what stood out is his overall strength. I didn't realize he was as strong as he was. The guy that's, you know, 250-some pounds and ability to set the edge and show his strength. I think that's what jumps out even more about Malcolm. Gus Bradley's our guest. I love a hybrid player. I love the term hybrid coach. You've had all different types of great players in your career. uh, Divine Diablo, a guy who can play multiple positions on defense and really be a hybrid type of player. What jumped out at him? Well, I think what off a of tape and what we saw, very, very good understanding of pass concepts and in the, the passing game. Just understands the whole gamut, whether it's man, zone, split safety, just a really good understanding. That's his background as being a safety. So when he came in, a lot of the different things we saw, we were very impressed with how fast he picked up on the concepts. The run game is that we need to see. We can't wait to get him in pass because I think he'll be a fast developer in that aspect. But that's where he needs his, most of his work. With Merrig, obviously, Carl Joseph coming back, John Abram, what did you want to see out of Gillespie? What can he do for you instantly? What is he competing for? Well, Gillespie, I mean, we're right now we're, we're talking about an open competition at all those spots, you know, wow. especially at the free safety spot, you know. So we're just taking a look at everybody. It's still early, but he's been impressed. We know that he's going to be a very, very talented special teams player. We know he'll bring that, but I've been impressed with how fast he has picked things up, too. Uh, this has been so beneficial for all those younger guys, the ability to get out in the field, even though many of the reps are walked through, just to see how fast they pick things up he's been impressive too now we really like what we see from him Tyler Rush tweets in to Gus Bradley coach I want to know if Tanner Muse gets on the field this year what is his upside well, you know what we are? We're looking at him as an outside linebacker in our scheme. And, uh, you know, I think the everyday drills that we do where we're seeing them on the tape and they're, they're getting a chance to work the skill set over and over what's required to play the position. So he's been a good surprise for us. You know, I think he's finally healthy. And, uh, you know, so we're just, I think we're uh, very optimistic about where he's at at this point. Now, again, we haven't had pads on. And, uh, you know, when the bullets fly, let's see. But so far, so good with him at that position move. Gus Bradley's our guest as we continue. Coach, what I'm most excited about is your ability to get more out of these second-year players that were drafted high. You've heard this night and day. Coach Gruden's brought it up. Coach Mayock, excuse me, uh, Mr. Mayock, Mike Mayock's talked about it. And everybody thinks that you're the guy that can line them up better. Is that the key, lining them up better or getting more out of their talent with their pure passion to play and their athletic ability? 
Right. Well, I've been impressed with they are a very passionate group. I mean, they're, they're, they bring the spirit every day now, JT, and I love that about them. And, uh, you know, I think it's a combination. We're building out of a lot of the foundation they had last year. Um, you know, it's hard with that COVID, and then you're putting in some, you know, new players, new scheme. So really what they're taking what they built on from last year and just trying to add to it. Really enjoy our coaching staff. I think they've done a great job connecting with them and the players. I mean, they've come coming in hungry so it's been a good combination and uh you know we're hopefully that second year for some of these guys third year they get a chance to do things over and over again you know we see that kind of that rapid race to maturity Yannick Ngakwe comes in, Mad Max on the other side, Cleland Farrell, and then all the other defensive tackles that were brought in. That's an enormous number. That's a lot of people in that defensive line room here. What do you like about the culture of these players, their attitude, their energy, as it seems like they're going to be fighting for snaps because you got a little bit of depth here? Well, you, you know, obviously stopping the run is very important to us, but you can never have enough rushers. And that's why we'd like to, you know, have the ability to come in waves, you know, not only a first wave, but a second wave. And, uh, you know, we've made a big emphasis on that fourth quarter rush, that two-minute rush, and having guys fresh enough, you know, to really affect the quarterback. And, uh, you know, so I like what we've added. Mike's done a great job, Coach Gruden, you know, bringing guys in. And uh, they, they feel like they all have a chance, and they've been competitive throughout. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all comes together, but it's really that base premise of you can never have enough rushers is what we're trying to do with that group. I'm a Mad Max guy. I, I like what he's brought to the Raiders when he came here. He bought all in. This guy is a symbol of the greatness of the Raiders and what he wants to do. But a lot of people said too many snaps last year. He's on the field all the time now. Can you touch on this rotation and how you think you can keep some of these guys fresher in the fourth quarter? Right. Well, you know, Max has done a great job in the offseason. I know in his mind he's been in the best shape he has been. Uh, he's lean. He's turned in for an alpha for us, you know, on the field and uh, brings tremendous leadership. So he's uh, a big attention to detail, but uh, he, just the way he goes about every day in practice and how he works with Coach Marinelli, Coach Smith, you know, on that defensive line. He, he can't get enough of him. He's really trying to refine every aspect. So in his mind, I think he is an every snap guy, you know, so, and that's how we want it, you know, but he also knows for, you know, it's going to take everybody to go where we want to go. Hey coach, we know that coach Gruden wants to be out on the practice field all the time. And you have a deep history in this league and you remember the two a days and how hard it was. Now we see the Niners and the Texans canceling practices now due to injury. You want these guys to gel. You have preseason games to let them play. Other organizations don't want to see their stars in the preseason. What can you share with us about your individual philosophy and how much you want to see out of these guys in the offseason and especially three preseason games? Right. Well, I think it's how much do we get accomplished during training camp. You know, what I love about the way we go about it has been, you know, the players and, and the coaching staff, we got together about what's the best way to operate. And, uh, you know, it's been a fantastic, fantastic OTAs. And we hope that extends into minicamp. But just to see where we're at, you know, we get a chance to maybe go against a team or two, you know, in, um, in uh, training camp, you know, and see how we can take advantage of that time. But, uh, you know, I think it's really 
really, as we get closer to those games, take a look. We want to make sure that they get a chance to play, get their feet underneath them, you know, get live reps, and the speed of the game with the new system is very important. But at the same time, you know, make sure we're smart with our players. Are we progressing it closer to that first game? Last two questions. I'll start with Casey Hayward. You know him well, two-time Pro Bowler. How much does he have left in the tank? Can he dominate that position where you just don't have to worry about him? You put him anywhere on the field, he's going to make plays for you. Well, he's been a great addition. Now, you know, not only to help the guys, you know, learn a new system like that, but he's a true pro. Uh, Every day, you know what you're going to get from. Love what Casey Hayward brings to the table. And he's been very group for especially that corner group. And, uh, you know, so we'll see how he comes, you know, once we get in the pads and stuff, but I know in his mind he feels like he's in better shape than he was last year, you know, through the COVID, some things he went through. Uh, he feels really good about his body and where he's at. So he's in a great frame of mind right now and been a great addition. Uh, linebackers of the past, Rod Martin, Matt Millen, Phil Villapiano. Can you get one of these three guys to be like that, to play beyond their ability accept the Raider history and the legacy and come in here and just be great, not be serviceable. How are these linebackers going to step up for you, Coach? Well, I think, you know what, they, they have to have that opportunity. That's what the expectation is, to come in and, and play at their very best. And, uh, you know, that's what they're working on every day. But the mentality of that group, the mentality of the linebacker, and uh, I think it starts with a guy like Nick Morrow. I mean, he got up in front of our team and spoke, JT, the other day and did an outstanding job. And Coach Gruden's putting him in those situations. We have him do that as a, as a defensive unit, too. And, uh, you know, so we're challenging these guys to take that next step. And, uh, boy, they're eating it up. So very impressed by that group overall. And uh, really look forward to see how they progress through training camp. So, Coach, the Golden Knights are tonight. Vegas is amazing. Great dining casinos. We're 100% capacity. Leave us on a personal note. Your family, yourself, how much are you loving this move? Uh, I love it. You know, uh, I think I, before I was raised, uh, I, my parents, my mom would wake me up every day saying something good's about to happen. And that's what I feel about Vegas. The more I'm here, I mean, all the good things that, that, that it has to offer as a city, as a fan base, and, and this organization, it's so cool to be a part of and just excited for the, the team and the unit that we have in front of us and the, and the objectives that we're all shooting for. So, you know, I think that's what every day, man, something good's about to happen it's starts tonight with the, you know, with the hockey game and and just really throughout everything going into minicamp. So very very pleased and excited about being here. Well, get me one of those T-shirts. Get on the bus with Gus because I'm leading the charge. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Coach. I appreciate right, JT, it. Appreciate you, man. You got right, it. You got it, Gus Bradley. Good to talk to him. How do you not like that guy? How do you not like what he's trying to do? What he's bringing to the table here? A former head coach a coach that has worked with Coach Gruden in the past, someone who's going to get more out of these players and line them up right. Just line them up right and have this new rotation. So we appreciate Gus Bradley as I'm live from the Raider facility. Coming up next, Vinny Bonsignor joins us. We're going to try to get two out of them, one on a deep dive of the Raiders roster and then go around the league because, as I've called him, the godfather of NFL relocation. There's so much national news with the NFL, and Vinny's plugged in about as good as anybody. Uh, Brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Whenever I'm talking X's and O's with Gus Bradley, I'll have a Remy Martin cocktail in my hand tonight for the grand opening of the Virgin Hotels. We'll tell you about that a little bit later on.
when you talk to coaches that are here, and, and there's not one negative thing about being in Vegas. It's all positive. So, I mean, we could feel it even when we, I was part of the Chargers driving up to the stadium uh, to see where the stadium's located. And there was fans outside in the parking lot, even though they couldn't go in the building. And uh, so, I don't know. It, it, it's just something I think we're all very excited about. That is Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator. JT, back with you. Brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. You can shop. From the comfort of your home, have the ability to pick out your own vehicle, work up the options, go to the Henderson Hyundai Superstore or online, or just go out to Boulder Highway, see Frank and his team. Our great friend and teammate, Vinny Bonsignor, joins us from Raider Nation Radio and the Las Vegas Review Journal, your second home here over at the facility. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, uh, JT. Really appreciate it. it. This has become kind of the second home with OTAs now going on, doing the show here a couple of days a week. Uh, great interview, by the way, Thank you. With, with Gus Bradley. I think uh, fans probably and listeners got an idea of the kind of the energy that he brings. And when you look at Gus Bradley and you look at the defense, he's set up to be kind of a – he could be a hero by the end of this year. If he can get this defense straightened out – um, and, and become an asset for this team rather than the liability it has been for the last uh, few years. Uh, what a different narrative we'll have about the Raiders if that can be accomplished. And the, I think the players are there. I think the, uh, the, the coaching staff is in place. The right coaching staff is in place. Really encouraged hearing some of the players talk about the relationships that they're building with this coaching staff. And I think it really does start there. The X's and O's, that'll happen. Uh, the, the one-on-one conversations that Gus and his staff are having with the players and building that trust uh, and, and chemistry and, and everything else will follow after that. If players are confident and, and have a command of what they're doing, that's going to be reflected in how they play. And I think you're going to see a big change in that regard this year. Well, here's what I want to get into because you know the roster better than I do and you've seen it and you've seen these players and next week's a big week. If you told me in the offseason that Gus Bradley's coming in, I think they got him fast because he would have been gone. Right. And I love that move. So I I believe in Gus Bradley. Secondly, Casey Hayward, Yannick Ngakwe, and then Merrig coming in and dropping to them, even though they traded up to get him. Those four additions, one being Gus Bradley and three new players starting out of the 11, plus the competition – I wouldn't call it a best-case scenario, but it was pretty good. It was better than I expected in the offseason. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. You listen to all the national people and the pundits, and everybody puts grades on things, what went right right in the offseason, what went wrong in the offseason. To me, those questions don't truly get answered until the lights come on and the games are played. The way I have to do it, and I think this is the, the responsible way to do it, the team that you covered or the team that you root for, did it make sense? Did the offseason make sense? Gus Bradley makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe being added to that pass rush makes a lot of sense. Trevon Morig as the free safety, who was a first-round pick, got a first-round pick grade. There was a little bit of a back issue at his uh, pro day that sent him down in the second round. That obviously makes sense. The Raiders needed to find a right tackle. Alex Leatherwood, the Outland Trophy Award winner from Alabama. It makes sense. So based on that the Raiders offseason made sense. Now, it has to translate to the grass. It has to translate to, win, uh, to wins and losses, but that re- and that all remains to be seen. But at this point, what they did in the offseason, to me anyway, makes sense. Vinny Bonsignor joins me. So here's what I look at it nationally, because you're great at covering the sport nationally. You covered the Rams, and now you have the Raiders. With the Leatherwood pick, I think a lot of people just jumped on Mayock and Gruden. They said, oh, here we go again. They reached. 
because they did reach for Arnett. And if you look at Abram and you look at some of the picks, they look like reach picks now. And Leatherwood was the one that Tom Cable wanted. Now that we take a step back from that pick, you've seen him here. The coaches have seen him. We look at his size, his ability, his leadership. How happy are they with him in the building? I think they're extremely happy. And, you know, uh, it's funny because, again, we talk about the national uh, pundits. And I don't, I'm not pointing any fingers. Sure. They have a job to do. Uh, but but to me, they're they're up in a helicopter, kind of flying around, taking a peek at teams in 32 different cities. And um, it's it's easy to make jump a statement or st- statements or or quick assessments based on that. When you look at what the Raiders did with Alex Leatherwood, they drilled to the. When outsiders are looking in, uh, especially in a draft, they're looking at it through their lens. Teams drill to the middle of the earth, <laughs> looking at things through their lens. Who you know? Who fits the system? Who fits the scheme? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Um, and so for for the Raiders, Alex Leatherwood made a lot of sense. And the notion that he was going to be there when they their pick came around in, with number 48 in the second round that's completely. I, I've talked to enough people in the NFL that wasn't going to be the ca- uh, the case. He was either going to be drafted later on in that first round or very early in the second right. round. So. The Raiders wanted to get their guy. He was the best tackle on the board when they came, when their pick came around at number 17. He fits a lot of what they're trying to do. And for those reasons, he is a Raider, and it makes sense for them. I like what they're doing now with the pressure put on the second-year players who haven't lived up to the hype. Even players who have been in the league longer, uh, like Littleton, who now is there. It's his second year with the Raiders, and the pressure is on them. Gus Bradley, I think, gives them all a breather. Let's talk about the mindset now of Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett, and the players such as Littleton Kwiatkowski, because Gus just mentioned Morrow speaking to the team. It seems like everybody's on the same page with him. The other guys, how much pressure should they feel as they get into the preseason that it's go time and they better be good and they be they better be ready for that Baltimore game if they want to keep their jobs? Yeah, you know, when I look at a Corey Littleton, I refuse to believe that he forgot how to play football last right. year. I, I saw too much good football out of Corey Littleton in my time covering the Rams that I, I you have to figure – that he's going to bounce back in a new system, being here now a year, understanding his teammates a little bit better, uh, having this offseason program, et cetera, et cetera. Damon Arnett, uh, it's hard to get a read on Damon Arnett. Last year, he shows up in training camp. That was the first time he was around his teammates. He looked the part during training camp. The next, Then the, one day he shows up with a big club on his hand. Uh, so that reduces his time in the weight room. It obviously affected his play. He was in pain those first three games. Then he has to undergo surgery. He misses eight weeks. You can't lift. Uh, you can't get in the weight room to work out because you got to. You know, you just had surgery on your on your wrist. He comes back. He doesn't look the same physically. It showed on the field. I don't know that we've gotten a read on Damon Arnett yet. There was a lot that was working against him last year. He looks bigger and stronger. Back to the strength that he had in training camp last year. So. To me, I want to see this guy for a consistent period of time on the field healthy. And um, until then, it's hard to make an assessment on him. But, yeah, no doubt the pressure's on him. They need him to play now. They need all these guys to play now. This team was what sabotaged their efforts last year to get to the playoffs straight out was a defense that wasn't able to get the job done in key moments, whether it was third and long, uh, you know, late-game situations, forcing turnovers, getting to the quarterback. Uh, They were – way down in the league in all of those regards. If they could just make that average, again, the narrative of this team changes. Vinny Bonson, yours are guests. Okay, let's go to the offensive side. Why didn't this team get Julio Jones? Uh, the, the Money, 
basically. I mean, $15.8 million at this stage of the calendar. Everyone's done what they did during the offseason uh, in free agency, in the draft. There's only so much money left over for teams right now. I mean, you're ba- it's, there are teams that are literally trying to figure out how to sign their rookies because they're that far up against the cap. If this was the beginning of March, the beginning of the offseason, and the Falcons made Julio Jones available, it might have been a different story uh, for teams like the Raiders and a whole bunch of other teams. So I think because he was going to, you know, you would have had to make move some mountains in order to fit him under the salary cap at this point. So, and then that's not on top of, that's on top of what it would have cost to get him in terms of draft capital. So um, does Julio Jones make sense for the Raiders? He makes sense for a lot of teams, but at 15.8, trying to squeeze him in at this time of the year, that would have been really hard. Wrapping up our Raiders segment with Vinny Bonsignor, we'll talk nationally about what's coming up. Okay. I'm a simple math guy. Yeah. Didn't take math in college. It was going to be too tough. Same here. So I look at the numbers if Waller gets 12 to 15 targets, let's say 12 because he's going to be doubled a lot, but they got to they got to overuse him coming off these last two years. Right. Then if Josh Jacobs gets 16 to 20 carries, I'm doing the math. That's half the plays. So it's the same problem I told you about last year. There's only one football. How do you get Edwards, Ruggs, Renfro? You look at the new receivers that came in, Brown, Snead. How do you get them all the touches that they need in a game so they can get a rhythm and Carr could spread the ball around and make sure everybody's happy? I covered a Rams team a couple of years ago that had Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Todd Gurley, and Tyler Higby. Okay? And every week, somebody would call me, somebody would ask me, who should I start on my fantasy league team this week? I don't play fantasy, so I'm not the expert on that. Robert Woods or Brandon Cook, and I was like, I, I don't know, because each week it could be somebody different, okay? And my point is, out of all of those guys, at the end of the year, every one of those guys had good numbers. There was a way to spread the ball around, and I, and I think what this worked for Jared Goff when he was playing well, and I think it works really well for uh, uh, for Darren, or, uh, Carr, uh, Derek Carr, the quarterback. He's kind of a point guard type of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He'll find the matchup problems. He'll find the matchup issues and exploit them. And I think by the end of the year, if everybody takes the necessary step forward, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, you know about Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs is going to get his, Kenyon Drake's going to get his numbers yeah. as well. By the end of the year, if these guys are where they're supposed to be, making the catch when they're supposed to be, I think there's every reason to believe that they'll be able to spread that ball around in a way that makes this offense successful. Is there anything noticeable that Carr has to get better at right now? Um, I think I I like the step forward he took with putting the ball down and running it every once in a while. I mean, he he got some important first downs last year. I think, you know, ball ball security. He fumbled the ball a few times. A lot of that was on the offensive line. It's hard as a quarterback when you don't see it coming um, and you get hit and you drop the ball. But I think that if there was one thing, that would be it. Would be ball security and um, and making sure that more touchdowns are scored in the red zone. Now, part of that is the offensive line execution, the talent around, and the play calling. Uh, but if there's two areas that I would say, hey, uh, if if Derek Carr could take a step forward, red zone efficiency on touchdowns, ball security. Last one with the offensive line. Are you optimistic? with the athletic ability, because I can't put my neck on the line and say that these guys are going to be better than the three that left, but I wanted Trent Brown out. I thought he was a bum. He didn't respect the logo. He didn't respect the franchise. Then I look at Gabe and Rodney, who were good to me and good guys. Now they have players coming in who on paper aren't as good. What's the secret sauce here? What's the hidden gem why they could be really good and help Carr out? The Raiders got four plays total. 
from their projected starting offensive line last year. Four plays. And they were in the season opener. After that, it was trying to replace guys left and right. Obviously, Trent Brown being the biggest one. You know, he plays four games. But also, Richie Incognito only played two games uh, last year. So there was – and if you look at the numbers, the offensive line last year just wasn't that good. They were, I think, 21st in run blocking, 17th or 18th in pass blocking. And they were the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. So something had to give. And I think – if the Raiders can just get their starting group out there on a more consistent basis, that in itself is going to probably make this team, this offense, offensive line a little bit better than last year. Because when you really do crunch the numbers, and a lot of it was because of injuries, they weren't as good as we might suspect. And they probably would have been had they gotten every game out of every starter. We're coming right back with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Modelo, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. You know I love Modelo. I have a bucket of Modelo's every Friday after the show. Summertime's it's Thursday. Big weekend in front of us. Everyone knows that hard work deserves a fitting reward. A Pilsner-style lager with a crisp, clean taste. Modelo. Get all over a Modelo coming up this weekend. More with Vinny. Stay here. I mean, that's that's the goal. I, I mean, that's always my goal. I've been like that since I was with the with the Chargers as well. Um, I was the oldest guy in the room, so um, I always had to have a veteran, you know, presence and veteran leadership, and still be who I am. So no matter, you know, since I've been for the last five years, I've been the oldest guy in the room, which is kind of crazy. So I always had to have that same presence still do what I got to do. And that's the whole goal now. It's the same way. Casey Hayward, JT, back with you as we continue on live from the Raider facility in Henderson, Nevada. Thursday, my last show of the week, I bring in one of the premier NFL insiders. Vinny Bonsignor joins me from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and covers the league as good as anybody. And Vinny, let's jump right in. First, I think it's a big storyline that the Niners and the Texans canceled OTAs going forward and what's going to be coming up with their camp. Is this just a knee-jerk reaction for some injuries here? And especially Houston, a four-win team that's got a break in a quarterback. What's being said around the league? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, obviously in those two cases, there were some injury factors. Uh, the Niners lost a couple of guys. Uh, that's never going to help. But I also felt like, uh, you know, there was a vote by the union and or, or, or kind of pushed by the union. Each team took it to um, boycott this program. Players, by virtue of the vote last month, weren't going to be here. Remember, there was gonna, supposed to be a big boycott. That was never going to happen. Um, I talked to enough players to understand, like, that vote was sort of out of obligation to the union and to their purposes. But realistically, guys wanted to be in the building getting better, whether it was as individuals or as teams. However, as part of that, there was a lot of dialogue between players and coaches in terms of, trying to not necessarily cut corners, but ease up a little bit this time of year so that you're not going full throttle. I think John Gruden has done a good job of that. He's always been sort of ahead of the curve on that, going all the way back to when he was in Tampa Bay and the Raiders the first time around. He understood how long a football season is and the importance of you know trying to manage it physically. So there were, I think each team and each coach um, and their leadership of the players on, on those particular teams had conversations leading up to this to try to work out 
a fair uh, practice schedule that was going to, you know, accomplish the goals, but also keep a good look and eye out on the players. And I think that in those two situations, I'm sure there was some dialogue like, hey, coach, maybe it's time to just cut it out at this point and uh, we'll, we'll regroup and train again. This is troublesome to me because when I talk about load management in the NBA, I lose my mind. So do I. Because they're getting paid for their job year round. So if you take a football player whose last day of the year because they don't make the playoffs is New Year's Eve or New Year's Day and then the season's over and then they don't play a game until September – and then they're making all their money and they get a four- or five-year contract, you start cutting out, I don't have to show up at OTAs, I don't have to practice when there is practice, I'm in the training room because I can go, but I'm not going to go. This adds up, and I'm sorry, but I connected to the old legends of the games, all the Hall of Famers that I talked to, two-a-days, playing through injury, building the league, Vinny, so these players today can make the money that they're making What's the ultimate goal of the union? Does the union clearly want less practice, less time in pads? Well, and they got that in the last um, collective bargaining room. In fact, there was somebody from the NFL who uh, I talked to about that. And they said, hey, circle this date because you're going to see a deterioration of the level of play from this point on, whether it's tackling. Um, and a lot of people equate great football to great offense, but it's really the, the, the other way around. It's the fundamentals of tackling, stopping guys, uh, that that's sort of been lost and, and, and it's slipping, and we're seeing that on a daily basis. So uh, they, they did get less practices. They did get more, you know, less two-a-days, less practices, fewer practices uh, in pads. So that was already addressed. And I think we're at that point where what they have done is sufficient. It doesn't need to be any less or fewer than that. And especially the off-season uh, programs, which, you know, uh, J.C. Treader, the uh, president of the union, uh, starting uh, center for the Cleveland Browns, I felt um, whatever agenda he was working with and the hierarchy of the players' union was working with didn't look out for the majority of these players. Because when you really think about what J.C. Cheddar was saying was, look, you don't need OTAs. You don't need the offseason program. We proved last year uh, by getting a season in without it that we could be perfectly fine. And that's all fine. But J.C. Cheddar, to me, was looking at the vast majority of players in his union, including a bunch of young players who are just starting out, trying to make their mark, trying to figure out their way, trying to earn a second contract, and he's telling them the very steps that he took to make the money that he's made to gain the stature that he's gained in the NFL wasn't needed. And I'm like, what would J.C. Treader, his rookie year, being, I think he was a mid-round pick out of, I think, an Ivy League mm -hmm. school. He wasn't a sure thing. I would be curious to find out what 21-year-old J.C. Treader would say to 29- or 30-year-old J.C. Treader you know, if he was told, you don't need this time of year. Who are you to tell me I don't need this time of year? You've, you're, you've made your money. You've made your mark. I'm trying to get there, and you're now trying to tell me to boycott the steps that you took to get there. I felt it was selfish and short-sighted, and I felt like we're seeing the numbers across the league in OTAs. The, most of the players agree with what we're saying, which Yes, I do need this time of year. It's a critical time of year for the team and me as an individual. Especially non-playoff teams. Right. Non-playoff teams. I've always been a big proponent of that. All right, I want your big picture. Vinny Bonsignor joins us, NFL Insider, fantastic, on Aaron Rodgers. Because what I said last night on my show was interesting. Tom Brady's pretty much running practice for Tampa Bay. Bruce Arian said, I'm going to go home and have a cocktail, hang out with my grandkids. You run everything. You're able to do that. And he had knee surgery. 
Aaron Rodgers is in Hawaii and Malibu, not showing up to a team that got beat by Tom Brady at Lambeau Field. So touch on what Brady's doing in Tampa Bay and what you're hearing through your sources and what's the, what's the mood like in Green Bay with Rodgers not there. Well, um, and, you know, Tom Brady did his own thing with his own veteran players uh, right across the street from, I think, Yankees, the, yeah, the, the training Yankees facility are, right there. Uh, there was uh, not far from where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were. That was kind of a weird situation. But, you know, if there's certain guys that have certain amount of clout and a track record of responsibility and you don't have to question whether Tom Brady is going to be ra- ready, whether he's going to be able to produce, there are certain guys that uh, get that clout and they could call their own shots. I saw Aaron Donald miss two straight <laughs> offseason programs in a contract dispute and show up and basically win, dominate and win NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. He doesn't need it. He's that good. Not everybody, obviously, is Aaron Donald or, 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 or Tom Brady. In Aaron Rodgers' case, he wants out of Green Bay. <laughs> That's yeah. the bottom line. There is, whether it's a personality conflict, whether it's a lack of trust, whether uh, a breach of confidence, a breach of trust, whatever the case might be, and he's very passive-aggressive. He's always been that way. Like, we don't get the full story because he's not going to tell us the full story, but something is causing him to have feelings of, I don't want to be here in Green Bay anymore. I'm going to force their hand. What's interesting to me is I don't believe the Green Bay Packers are in any kind of mood to trade uh, Aaron Rodgers. This is completely different than the Brett Favre situation where they knew who the, what they had in Aaron Rodgers, the Packers did. So they were like, okay, we could walk away comfortably from uh, Brett Favre, even though we may not want to at this point, because we know what we have in Aaron Rodgers. They, they're not in that position right now. They don't know what they have in Jordan Love. So for them to walk away from Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP, without really having a good handle on what Jordan Love's going to be able to do is going to be hard for them. Wrapping it up with NFL insider Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I believe that Denver has a good chance to get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, and that could change everything, period. There's just no way to spin it. So what do you think Deshaun Watson's thinking now? Because all of a sudden, that deal, Rusty Harden's trying to settle it. There can't be a deposition until after the Super Bowl. It is really out there. No one really had. I talked to John Clayton yesterday on this. We know John McClain. These are great reporters who really don't have any insight on what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. And we think Aaron Rodgers wants to go to Denver. What is Denver's endgame here with two of these quarterbacks wanting out of their teams? Well, in Deshaun Watson's case, there's so much smoke around him that, to me, if I'm a team, you know, innocent, guilty, whatever the case might be, I don't know what's going on uh, in that situation. It seems conspicuous that so many uh, women have come forward uh, with the same similar story. Um, uh, But I don't know. Who knows if he's innocent or guilty? But if I'm a team, I don't want any part of that right now. It's just, it's, it's, I, I don't. There's too much uncertainty uh, surrounding him. So for me, as good as Deshaun Watson is, he would be off my list. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is a different story. He's the reigning MVP. Um, it, it would cost a lot of money to bring him in. I think, I think the Broncos uh, can make that end of it work. And with that roster, they have a good roster. You put an Aaron Rodgers in that situation, and it, it does change the whole, compl- the whole dynamic of this division, of the AFC, and of the NFL. I think he could win a championship with that roster, Aaron Rodgers in Denver. 
Last one. We we say this every offseason. You look at the teams that won last year, Tampa Bay, the Super Bowl. Kansas City seems to be the elite team. Is that where you have it now? Because I think Cleveland's coming, and there are other teams. We don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay. Emerging teams, Dak Prescott is back. Is it Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and everyone else? Or with the Rams, the team you covered with Stafford, do you have a sleeper team and a team like the Niners that you think could make one more run? Give me your maybe top four teams. I'm still I'm still not sold on Tampa Bay as a repeat winner. Oh, okay. Uh, just an, another year older for Tom Brady. Um, it, it's, it's not the youngest team, too. Uh, they did need to catch some – I mean, they had a win – on the road every week of the playoffs, right? They, they were a wild card team, so um, so they had to go the hard way. Does that happen again? Um, so I'm not sold on them as as a repeat winner. I think the Rams with Matthew Stafford uh, are in a good position. Uh, it's a tough division, but you know, with him as their quarterback, and I know talking to their people, they feel like he's a a nine that can get to a ten on a consistent basis, whereas. Jared Goff, they felt, was a, like a seven that could every once in a while get to a nine, ten. They feel like they're in a better position uh, with, with this quarterback. So, um, so so the Rams, I think, would be in the mix. I think the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, a healthy Dak Prescott, uh, could be a good team. Um, but I think it's wide open. And, of course, what happens with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Uh, that's going to you know decide a lot as well. Uh, in the AFC, obviously – the Chiefs, but did they really improve that offensive line? We saw, and it's, while I was watching that Super Bowl, I was just thinking to myself, you know, Andy Reid's a celebrated coach, rightfully so, but it showed what happened in that Super Bowl when they lost both of their tackles and they couldn't block anybody and Patrick Mahomes was thrown running around for his life. It doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't have any play, plays you have in your playbook. If you can't block it, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, everybody becomes average at that point, Patrick Mahomes himself. So I get to see that offensive line, and, I, and their defense is just okay. It's not great. So, um, you know, we'll see about the, about the Chiefs. I think for the Raiders, I think they're going to be in the mix if they could get that defense squared away a, a little bit. Not maybe a Super Bowl. We can't talk about Super Bowl with the Raiders. But finding a way, creating a path to the playoffs. They have a tough schedule, but they play almost every team that you, get a, that you suspect is going to be in uh, the wild card chase. The Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Cleveland Browns, the Chargers, if the Chargers make us take a step forward. Those are five teams that are probably going to be in that wild card division in some form or fashion. The Raiders play every one of them. So they, it's daunting, but it's opportunistic for them. You're one of the best in the business. Always great catching up with you. Thanks for making time. You got it, JT. Anytime. You know that. Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review Journal. When we come back, we'll set up the second hour. Chris Matthews will join us. Rick Carl, the sports professor. And VGK tonight. Brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza in Town. Five locations right here in the Valley. Great time for a Grimaldi's pizza party. Get that pepperoni calzone. The salads are unbelievable. You'll love it. Head to Grimaldi's. Tell them JT sent you. And we'll get you set for hour number two. Live from the Raiders facility in Henderson. I think the guy that has the most cachet is our head coach. And I get questions about John Gruden all the time by people all over the country. And uh, I think John has a special persona about him. I think Derek Carr has earned a lot of respect around this league from an awful lot of people. 
Mike Mayock, who the other day was wearing a VGK hat. Now I get ready to go. Live from the Raider facility. Let's get the phones going. I feel like I'm hosting a podcast today. We had Gus Bradley and Vinny Bonsignor for the entire hour in studio. Vinny's amazing. I call him the godfather of NFL relocation because Vinny and myself, but I'll give Vinny the credit, Vinny was the first to report accurately on the move to Vegas. He wasn't a cheerleader. He was covering the Rams. He had good sources, and everybody in the Bay Area was laughing. You know who those Bay Area guys are. You know, the guys who charge you to log on, charge you to log on and read some of their stuff, and they were laughing at him. No way. Oh, Mark Davis isn't smart enough. Oh, Mark Davis isn't smart enough to do that deal in Vegas. No, that was Vinny Bonsignor. We had the information at the same exact time. Accurate information from the inside, reported on it, and some NFL insiders mocked us. And Vinny had it, and that's why I tagged him the godfather of NFL relocation because he had the story right on the Chargers and the Rams and the Raiders. And now the Raiders are in Vegas, in Vegas where you should have saw my wife look at me today as I'm trying to buy Guns N' Roses tickets. And I'm there, and I'm not really good at all with technology. I'm not. So logging on, getting into a portal, putting in the code, getting shut out from those tickets. Well, I want those four shut out. Sorry you can't get them. Finally got our Guns N' Roses tickets earlier today, and then I'm going to have to tell my kids to drop out of college to pay for my Guns N' Roses tickets, but I'm excited about it. So in the last week, I ended up getting Gold Cup soccer tickets, Guns N' Roses tickets. We're going to Garth Brooks. Hopefully, I'm planning on buying tickets or going to the Golden Knights in the next round of the playoffs. That's not a cheap ticket if we're able to do it, but what great options we have here in Las Vegas. I mean, can you believe the options? Tonight I'm checking in to the Virgin Hotels. They have a three-night grand opening. They had a soft opening where we hosted the show. Now Boz, uh, Sir Richard Branson's in town. So he will be over at Virgin Hotels. The pool's finally open. The theater's open. My wife's going to Christina Aguilera tonight. Flo Rider in the house. And that'll be a good time. That's the old Hard Rock location. So a lot of my buddies work there. I met my wife on that footprint. So we'll be over there over the weekend. And then good times the rest of the way. Next week here, heavy here, as the Raiders will come back with a mini camp. And we'll get a chance to see these guys 11 on 11 and see how they look. So I hope you enjoyed that first hour as we continue on. Chris Matthews from 8 News Now is going to join us to preview the Golden Knights. I really hope there's some Raider fans, Raider fans, that will call in on the Golden Knights this last hour. I don't think that's hard to do. If you're a hockey fan, step up. 702-365-9200, a massive opportunity for VGK at T-Mobile tonight. Sold out 18,000 fans. Let's get behind the Golden Knights the final hour and continue to talk Raider football. 